Welcome to the Rainbow Room. Our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. This is episode 13, Everything Everywhere All at Once, part one. Hello everyone, I'm Andrew. My name is Eric. And today we are joined by two guests and I'm extremely excited for both of them. First of all, we have Colin Rourke. One of uh, my personal comedy heroes, so this is really cool. Uh, Thank you for being here, Colin. Of course, thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited. (laughs) And then we also have Diana Chen, who is an old friend of mine from undergrad, and I asked her to be on this podcast, and I'm very excited that she agreed to be on this episode, too. Please welcome Diana Chen. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> and this is your t- first time doing a podcast, right? It is. Hell yeah! Welcome! <laughs> Girl, it's easy. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so today we will be talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. And basically, Colin, I invited Colin to be on this podcast. I, um, I've i been watching his comedy for a long time, and I messaged him. I was like, hey, I'd love to have you on. And he agreed, and I'm extremely thankful for that. He recommended this movie. And then I asked my friend Diana to, to help us, too, because I was really interested to hear her take and how it compares to her experiences, because this movie, as you know, is very centric about themes of being Chinese and specifically being queer and Chinese. And Diana is both of those things. And I have her permission to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I never out anyone uh, without their consent. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, Colin, I would love to just kind of fill the audience in on why I'm such a big fan of your work. Colin makes these viral videos. I first discovered them on Twitter. And the first video I saw of yours was the Trojan horse one, <laughs> where <laughs> you're like someone waiting inside a Trojan horse, but you don't really get what's going on. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it sounds like you're having so much fun out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you i'm glad you liked that one yeah and then when you're like you're talking to people and you're like i don't know what y'all are doing but some of us are gonna stay inside the horse tonight. <laughs> that video is so funny oh thank you i also love your robbery one and i guess your most your biggest one on tiktok is your titanic one which is freaking mm-hmm. hilarious <laughs> Go check out his TikTok and his Twitter. Both are at ba- at Ballin, B-A-L-L-I-N underscore Rourke, R-O-U-R-K-E. That's correct. And he's hilarious. Uh, another fun fact about Colin is I have this TikTok series where I go through pieces of gay media and I like rate basically how authentic I think they were. Colin, I actually included his work in my list, you know, with all these other movies because it was the one artist who was like, I really want to highlight this guy because his work is so funny and so like authentically queer and hilarious. And so oh, it's really you. cool that someone I like put on that level is now speaking with us here. This is really awesome. That's very kind. I'm blushing. For those who can see. <laughs> Uh, and because I do love to interview all the comedians that we have on kind of about their own journey a little bit. I'm just like really <laughs> curious, uh, how did this all start for you? When was your first like video that we were like, oh, shit, this is actually working? Yeah. What was like that like? And how have you proceeded from there? Yeah. So um, it all started. Well, I was in Chicago. I was uh, doing comedy. I had moved to Chicago after I graduated from school and I wanted to start doing like improv and sketch. I had seen a show at the Second City and I immediately was like gravitated towards that style of performing because it was like, <laughs> I think it was, you didn't have to prepare as much, which is nice. <laughs> you just came and you improvised off whatever and whether they liked it or not, it was over at the end of the day. 
<laughs> and so I kind of infuse that into a lot of my characters. A lot of them are improvised in the moment and then I cut it and I edit it in post. But yeah, and the pandemic happened. I had nothing going on like everybody else. And um, prior to the pandemic happening, everybody in Chicago was preparing for their SNL audition. So SNL comes to Chicago every summer, once a year, and they see about 300 people audition and like 15 get picked for Lauren to see. Uh, and so I had wow. made it to the round before the 15 the year prior. So I was hoping to get seen that year. Obviously nobody got seen that year. And so I just started, you know, posting stuff online and I posted stuff. I had gotten a Twitter in March of 2020. I didn't have a Twitter prior to that. And then, uh, and then I started posting videos in December and they started to almost, you know, excitingly quickly take off, which was very, very cool for me to experience because it was sort of like having a reaction to an audience that I wasn't getting in a live space anymore. And then, yeah, and it started to take off and I just started to do more and more of them. There is Miranda Rosa, who is the girl who is in a, a lot of my videos she was my yeah. neighbor at the time um and we were comedian friends together in the scene and then we decided to start making videos together online and it continued to bode well and and now i'm in brooklyn because of it <laughs> oh really you moved out to brooklyn because you were doing well on social media yeah so i ended up getting a manager and an agent through um all that type of work and then yeah chicago there's you can only kind of run so far in chicago there's not many like you know general meetings that you can take out there because all the industry is in new york and la so you know from a live performance aspect you can just continue to improvise which is very exciting and a lot of people go on to do the main stage at second city and i could live there and be very very happy but i, I knew i wanted to continue to write and hopefully pursue tv and film so New York was the was the angle. That's so cool. So I just had a curiosity because I I feel like probably people a lot of people have to make this decision of like LA versus New York because LA is also mm -hmm. like a central spot for like film and TV writing and film writing. What was the deciding factor for you? Did you consider LA? Yes, I was actually moving to LA originally, and uh, then I had gone out and visited, and I changed my mind. Um, I really I think LA is a great spot. I mean, it's beautiful weather. You're right in that most of like TV. And film happens in LA so like if I I probably will at one point eventually go out there but yeah it's there's a, a live performance aspect to New York and also a like livable aspect to it that I wanted to indulge in I think LA can be very isolating and after a year and a half of isolation I didn't want to go back into it so I decided to come to New York with a bunch of my friends and kind of hone more of my live performance aspect skills I want to do like plays I want to do like different theatrical experiences and I think I can find that more here in New York than I can in LA. And I think LA will probably be like more towards the end of my life when I'm in my 90s. No, probably okay. sooner than that, but who knows? <laughs> so you might not end up there. That's also really interesting that you, I didn't realize that your Twitter was that new. You just started it yeah. and it immediately took off. Yeah, I don't, I mean, maybe this isn't a great thing to say, but I don't love Twitter. <laughs> I don't love social media. I'm actually very much anti-social media. I wish I didn't have to be on it. I don't love it at all. I think it's just like, it's just, hor it's a horrible place to be. Every time I'm on there, I get anxiety and it's not fun. But all of my roommates had Twitters and they were talking to me about comedians who were on Twitter and who were just like Twitter famous and I didn't know them. So I felt very out of the loop. Uh, and so I joined and then it quickly started taking off, which was exciting and nice, but also scary. But you were already like pursuing comedy pretty hardcore, just specifically through the theater. And you were already Correct. like, and you even before like experience with making stuff for the 
for like online content, you were already like getting callbacks for SNL. That's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a very interesting experience. Chicago is like the best place in the world to do comedy because you aren't being looked at all the time by producers and directors and casting agents. It really is just people who are just trying to like study and learn the form, uh, which is why like in all my videos to this day, I, I, I really try to use a ton of Chicago comedians because they know how to work well with one another. They really bounce ideas off of each other and kind of like move forward. Everyone's not kind of grabbing the attention as much as they can for themselves. It is a shareable experience, which is quite nice. But yeah, it's I was chasing like Second City while I was there. I was hoping to get one of the stages or a tour co and time just kind of ran up and other parts of my career were starting to take off. So I, I left. Just one more question. How long were you at Second City before March, 2020? I had studied at Second City right after college, so in 2016, and then I auditioned, and then I became a part of their house company in 2019. So the house company, you like, for a year, you develop a show, and then you put up a show. And I think we were in our first week of the show when that when it got shut down. Ah, oh, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> I know, it was tough. <laughs> but yeah, you'd been putting in the work for a while before you actually started with Twitter, so it makes sense. Like, you were already talented once you started on the platform, but still, that's... Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of fantastic improvisers who never like make it like that. So that's oh, thank you. Like awesome that it's going so well and and so well deserved because God, I, I love your videos so much. Oh, thanks. That's so kind. <laughs> All right, Diana, let's catch up with you because I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you in a while. It's it's really cool because we have, I feel like, a couple things in common. We met in undergrad in biomedical engineering. I, I was closeted when I started out. You Were you? I forget. Um, no, I wasn't. I was just too busy to, you know, let people know what was up. It was a, it was a small class, right? Like 100 people in that school. So... <laughs> It was a lot of work, you know. <laughs> yeah, we worked really hard. And then you ended up switching to computer science before you graduated, right? I did. Yeah, and then I also switched to uh, computer engineering in grad school. So basically, we're both former BME, both switched to tech, both queer, both killing it. Let's go. <laughs> you are definitely killing it. And I am, I am killing. I'm attempting to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I'm still single. You have like a beautiful girlfriend now, don't you? I do. I I have everything that I could possibly want in my life. I've got a nice home, my fiance, and uh, you know, a pretty good job. Oh my god, wait, I didn't know you were engaged. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's really she's amazing. She puts up with me and she makes really good food and she encourages me and I can't really uh I can't really imagine anyone else that I would rather be with. Oh my god, that's so sweet. <laughs> We've had so many guests on, <laughs> Colin says he's crying. We've had so many guests on um, who are <laughs> single with no love. And so it's so refreshing to have someone who uh, is in a beautiful queer relationship. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm very lucky. It, it's me that's lucky. <laughs> you boys, say your comments out loud. We want them on the pod. <laughs> Pride month. <laughs> Sorry. OMG, I'm crying. <laughs> That was really touching. That was gorgeous. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I'm so obsessed. I love that for you. But it really is. I'm so glad it's Pride Month. But it feels even sweeter. Yeah. 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 And Diana, you've always like had a really cool energy and really chill energy. So I'm like super excited to have you here on the pod. Well, I'm so glad you think I have chill energy because I feel like frazzled all the time. So I really am really happy that I'm giving off these kind of vibes to you. <laughs> you are. You do. 
Um, and you're funny. I've, I've always thought you had a, a nice wit to you. So we have a good crew here. And you're tuning in from Austin. Uh, we've already mentioned ad nauseum Colin's location. And then I'm here from Seattle. And then Eric's also in New York. So wait, yeah, I'm so happy. Anytime there's another New York person on, I'm incredibly happy. So Colin, thank you for your service. Of course, I'm here to do the job. So I have a question that we like to ask our guests to get to know everyone a little better. And it also kind of plays into the theme of our podcast, which is all about like telling queer authentic stories. And so to help paint this tapestry of actual queer experiences and get to know our guests and ourselves a little better, I want to ask y'all, what is the gayest thing you did this week? And I can go first, or unless Eric, you have a better one. So I, I feel like I actually need to think on this. I can go. Um, gayest thing I did this week, I went out Saturday night to the gorgeous Stonewall Inn and it was so like it was just a lovely time yeah uh, it was felt cool to be like at Stonewall around like pride time which is cool um yeah, and to clarify that time. Stonewall Inn is like where the riot took place yeah absolutely whoa you were um, actually there like around that history well it's like I mean it's like a bar that you can like go to and like hang out at um and so yeah it was just kind of there and it was really cool I've been before but like some for some reason like going around like pride as it's like about to begin in new york like it felt sweeter and like nice to be there and like everyone was having a lovely time that's amazing and at the time of recording it is the 20th so pride is this upcoming weekend yes in new york, in new york it has has seattle pride happened no it's also next weekend okay i think slay. we actually share a pride guest because kim petrus is performing for y'all right I think oh, oh I think so yeah at the it's like just performing at the parade I haven't looked into that at all I'm pretty sure she's booked there and she's also booked at Seattle so I'm really excited to see her oh wait love adore her Okay, I think the the gayest thing I did this week was my friend, um, I like hit up my friend as like, hey, I kind of want to do a Sunday fun day thing. I feel like Sunday fun day is huge in the gay community. Uh, brunch is also a really big thing, although I'm not super, uh, I need to do more brunches. But he's like, yeah, we're going to this one bar. And I went and I thought it was just going to be like a chill time, like a few of us drinking. But it turned out like one of his friends had rented out the bar for his birthday. And it was this big rooftop party on this sunny day in Seattle which is rare and we were dancing and drinking and I was meeting a lot of people because I'm still pretty new to this city and I'm like hey I just moved here and yeah it was a, it was a really fun time all right Diana or Colin whichever of you wants to go next I'll give it a go so um it's a tie so there's a new Netflix show out called First Kill and it, it has like lesbian vampires and monster hunters so I binged that and the second one was uh was watched sick. a lot of plumbing videos so I'll let you you all decide which one is gayer for me. Uh, wait, wait, like, like being like being a plumber. <laughs> yeah, like you know, replacing a toilet. You know, like going to Home Depot stuff. Stuff lesbians do. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a toss-up just to clarify are you like in the act of trying to replace a toilet or like do some plumbing or was this just like <laughs> a lesbian hobby of yours well I'm, I'm in the act of fixing everything in my house and just never get to it but i do watch a lot of youtube videos just to make sure that i can do it myself if i wanted to and not pay a professional to do it and just let it sit there uh so that's very it's pretty much how i roll oh she's handy i'd say, I'd say tv is gayer than 
activities. <laughs> How do you like First Kill? Is that something I should cover? We should cover on this podcast later. Totally, might you know invite a different crowd to provide perspective. But it's it's there's lots of things to analyze there. So yeah, totally do it next time. Is it good? Do you recommend it? Uh, it is. It is good given the queerness. Uh, I know that like you know for like lesbian movies and TV shows, some of it is you know ridiculously bad, so bad that it's good. But this one was quite all right, so it was, it was nice to watch. Nice. Oh my god, that's a whole like topic of discussion that we haven't even really touched on on this podcast. But so much, I feel like, of the queer media that we used to have before, like we started seeing like major production studios putting on, uh, like making queer movies, was just like these really indie, really terrible queer films, and that was kind of all you had. So I feel like there's just a litany of really bad queer movies that a lot of queer people have watched just because it was their only option. <laughs> Also, I'm really interested in First Kill because, fun fact, listeners of the pod, my sister, Julia Steyer, has her own podcast with her friend Bacola called Bite Me. And they it's a podcast all about reviewing different pieces of vampire media. And so the fact that there's an overlap, a movie, a, a piece of media that's both gay and vampire, that is interesting. But you should definitely <laughs> check out her podcast. Will do. All right, Colin, I think you're up. Um, let's see. What did I... I would say I, I'm watching Heartstopper, which hey! I, yes, I, I really do like it. And I think maybe even more of a, a queer thing that happened around that show is I was at a bar this weekend talking about the show. And me and a, a bunch of my fr- friends who are also queer were joking about how Olivia Coleman, this like incredible actress, is rarely used in the show. But she is, <laughs> she does have a part in the show, but she is so, at least not yet where I'm at in the show. I'm only maybe on episode six of eight or nine. Um, and she's had about three lines and she's an Academy Award winning actress. <laughs> um, but it, it's a really good show. I think they're tackling uh, queer identity from like several different aspects and also talking about kind of you know uh people who also get like who are maybe not queer but involved in that world because they're just have relationships inside of it um and so i think it's really cool and how they are uh just bringing up those conversations sometimes the acting for me is a little bit you know here and there but uh i think i think <laughs> the stories themselves are very good hot take yeah we actually uh reviewed Heartstopper for the most recent episode of this podcast so oh, or no nice. sorry not most recent the second to last one episode 11 so check that out listeners if you want more heartstopper tea um and who who were you talking about the movie with this was just like at a bar or hanging with friends yes we were at a bar called it is a gay bar it's called good judy um so eric you may know of it it is in brooklyn i know the one yeah the one (laughs) uh we were there celebrating a triage of birthdays and um yeah it was it was fun everyone was talking about heartstopper and uh, people really did like it they were comparing it to love Victor, which I know this is a controversial opinion, but I do like Love Victor. <laughs> Have you seen season three? Did you just okay. watch season three at all? I've only seen season one, and I should say I was mm. mostly a fan because I was truly there. I know there's moments in like people's lives where they have like crushes on TV characters, but I had an actual like real feelings for Benji in that show when it first came out. He is like the love interest, I believe, and I don't know if he's the love interest in the second and third season but he is in the first and he is he is a straight man playing a, a gay character which is tough but uh my heart was there in the first season <laughs> 
Love that. Love that for you. <laughs> uh, every, any, anytime there's a gay character and I'm like, oh my God, I have a real crush on this guy. It turns out it's played by a straight actor. I'm like, no, I have a type. Uh, yeah, I know. It's tough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Colin, what was it like auditioning for SNL? What's that process like? Like walk me through that just because that's, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I never got to see Lauren. I never made it to that round. I, how it works is IO Theater is a, is an improv theater in Chicago. It's very similar to UCB in New York or the Groundlings in LA. And every year they have about like 300, 350 people audition. Um, and you do about five minutes of character work that the head of IO, Sharna Halperin, she's like this like famous improv founder. She discovered Amy and Tina. She picks people to move on to separate rounds. I think about 40 or something, people go on to the second round and then you rework your material and then they pick 15 from those 40 or so. And uh, SNL will come in. It'll be like Lorne, um, the head writers and some of the producers and whatnot. And I believe maybe it's just the writers and Lorne. Um, and they'll come in and they'll um, see a showcase. And so basically, you know, the 15 performers will do their five minutes and then that weekend, if there's anybody they take interest in, they'll get drinks with them that weekend at a bar or something, whatever hotel bar. The, That's the interview? They get drinks at. with them? <laughs> From what I've heard. So I know, I've never made to the wow. round in a secondhand account. But sure. um, yeah, they I, apparently they would, you know, get into groups of like two or three and they would do kind of a round robin with the writers of the show. And then I think it's kind of a to understand if they would fit well personality wise, because it is a workspace still. You're still like going to work every day with these people. And then based off of that, they fly a few of them out to New York to test at 30 Rock. And so what that is, is they'll just have people come in and do a screen test at 30 Rock. And from what I've heard, it's it's pretty intimidating. They're, Lauren and the writers are told not to laugh during the audition so that the... <laughs> The, the you know people can go up against the worst of the worst you know experiences i don't know maybe it's a mind trick i'm not sure and then from there some people get casted as writers and some people get casted in the show and then some people don't get anything and then i think you hear like the next day but it's a process that kind of happens for like one or two months in the summer each summer wow i mean you think it would be possible for them to not take anyone right because it's like they surely can't hire that many actors and writers every year and that's only one city in the entire nation or is it just like such a strong feeder for SNL that basically there's always people that come out of that. Usually Chicago always sends about two or three out to New York. Wow. I don't know what those statistics are like for, you know, people coming from New York or LA. I'm sure it's, you know, similar. But yeah, and then I think there there is maybe a bit of a, a revolving door there. You know, you may not see it in the cast because they sign kind of longer contracts. And a lot of people during their freshman seasons, if it doesn't work out, they don't get asked back for their, their sophomore season or whatnot. Um, but I think it's the same thing with writers. You know, if, if they don't kind of prove themselves or don't maybe mold well with the show, they don't get asked back. Yeah. So it's, it's a little crazy experience. Sometimes it's a crapshoot. So yeah. you know, I'm working on my stuff right now for the for this upcoming audition. But Oh, you're yeah, going to audition this thing. upcoming one. Yeah, so I'll send in a tape and I'll send in a packet and then... Um, ah, we'll break a leg! When, when you did this I.O. audition, was it improv or was it written? Because you said it started with character work? Yes. So that's like, that is all character work. So that's all written. People are doing, you know, written characters. Oh, um, okay. So you come in with like a written character script, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was fun to see a lot. I saw Meg Stalter's before she, I don't think she got put through the round. I saw her like in one of the preliminary rounds and she had like, she did something about, she was like, she said something about how her like 
tooth hurt or something. I can't remember the intro to it, but then she just started gushing blood on stage <laughs> from her mouth. And it was very, very fun to see. Uh, so, oh my yeah. God. I love Meg. I would love to get her on this podcast. Anyone listening, if you have a connection to Meg Stotler, talk to me. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't <have> <laughs> <to Meg. laughs> You're useless to me. Bye. No. Um, I'm out of here. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for sharing. That that's such an interesting insight. I uh, I always love thinking about what that would be like. So cool. So let's get talking about our movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. First of all, Colin, you are the one who just chose this movie. What made you choose this movie? Um. Well, so what made me choose this movie is I like to first of all when I go see films in the theater, I don't watch the trailers. I don't like trailers. Well, I should preface, I love trailers, but I hate watching them because. <laughs> it's the whole film. So there's no excitement. There's no like everything. Nothing's a surprise anymore. So I don't watch trailers. I knew everything everywhere was getting good reviews. When I saw it, so I, had, I, I moved to New York in November. Um, a lot of life changes happened around then. And so I feel like I've been kind of in a whirlwind of feeling like a lot of pressure, a lot of like sadness, happiness, different emotions and transitions happening very quickly in the same kind of confined space. And when I saw this movie, it was like somebody was like reading my mind for me in a way that like I couldn't articulate through dialogue. And I think like in the last, it had been the last 15 minutes of the film, I was just sobbing in my seat and I like couldn't understand why, but I knew that like whatever feeling that these, the brothers who were the directors, the Daniels were trying to like emote, I was feeling. And I love watching movies in the theater because it's a very cool experience to do with like everybody and this is a film that i think you should see with many people because it's 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 so much about humanity and it's so much about like uh purpose and meaning and in today's world where like all you see is you know the worst things in the world on the news 24 7 this was a moment to be like the reason we're all here is like for each other and those moments of joy and um which now it's hitting me that the character's name is joy but um <laughs> like i think it's just it's it's very very uh it's hard to explain even when like i tried to tell people about the film like what it was about i had like i struggled to describe the plot of the film because the plot is very complex but the emotions are understood very clearly and i think that that is something that's very cool about being a human is that like the science behind it was like over my head a lot of the time but i understood the emotions point blank and i was experiencing them in the audience as well and i haven't experienced a film like that where like it was bringing something out of me in that in the moment yeah that's so cool and, and <laughs> it's so cool that it, like relates to you on such a personal level and what was going through your life and then yeah Di diana when i approached you and i was like hey how would you feel about talking about everything everywhere all at once your response was oh my god all caps <laughs> and you're like i have so many thoughts about this movie you're like instantly interested so i'm very curious uh yeah what was your experience how did you um find this movie and your experience watching it for the first time and that kind of reaction that you had uh yeah so honestly like what why i went to go watch it was pretty random so like first it was like the the night before i had watched a youtube video about like someone trying to explain 11 dimensions and if we me out a little bit so that, that was like i was like all right uh you know i'm already prepped um and then also i think you know the with uh, the the previous marvel movie uh shang chi 
that was really, really good. So I just kind of wanted to see, you know, what else they had going on. Um, and then I like to, I like to watch movies with my mom, but I like to also like pre-watch it to see if she'd be down. And so like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to just watch this one real quick. Uh, I did not expect the movie to be what it was. Uh, it was, I still don't have words and I'm supposed to have words by <laughs> this podcast, but yeah, it was just like, some things were way too familiar, right? Um, like deep parts of me <laughs> kind of familiar and like yeah I was you know my, my fiance would look over at random times and I'm, I'm like crying he's like what's going on this is not even a sad moment and I was like just I don't know uh, wow just, yeah that's so that's amazing was it just like resonating with you on such a level to like I think a lot of a lot of the things people are saying about this movie is like we really haven't seen a lot of this representation ever before right especially like in an American audience and doing so well so was that part of it just like seeing that for the first time kind of as you said it like related to you on like really a personal level uh yeah actually like I, I think it was the details like so one of the things that like I thought it would you know that this movie did really well was like the the Chinglish it's Chinese and English <laughs> I've never uh, heard so that we, term before yeah we call it Chinglish in some movies you know there's Chinglish is not like you know your you respond in Chinese and your parents respond in English and or vice versa it's kind of like you know the prepositions are in English and then the rest is in Chinese because you don't know the word for it um, and like how fluid it was right like during the movie was was different right because usually you can you can probably watch it without subtitles right mm -hmm. uh, because there was so many you kind of can follow it and then the English and the Chinese words they they fill each other in so that one was like some next level Chinglish that I just like it makes a lot of sense that's how I talk with my mom right we don't miss a beat it's not all like periods of all Chinese all English it really is just all in one so that one was really a, a great uh representation uh and then the second one i remember uh when they were making a quick lunch just like noodles right like typically like you know you think about like a whole spread and feast and you know the little what is it, is it it's not the lazy susan but the spinny thingy on the tables mm -hmm. and like honestly like most days you know my mom was working real hard and she just like made some noodles and soy sauce and put some you know chives in it and we just you know rocked and roll just all carved out running around the house until we fell over um yeah and so like it's you know those tiny details uh that really was just like whoa like i feel the rush right like i feel like this is a quick lunch right <laughs> um and like you know with the chinglish it's like parents and first generation you know chinese americans talking back and forth like being able to do it that fast it's very very familiar so it's kind of what i that, thought of it that's so cool yeah those details are so important the devil's in the details and i feel like yeah that can really let kind of highlight and let you know if it's being written from an informed point of view or not yeah oh and then there was one where it was the receipts like the receipt the paper bills and the sorting I don't know if it's like for me, like just part of my cultural identity, but just that's, that's so familiar. The way we sort them, right? The stacks, right? The, you know, cap the calculator even. <laughs> Uh, just all across the desk. Uh, it was just, it was very uh, circa 2005 for me. So it was, it was just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. And and I definitely want to delve even deeper into that after we quote unquote, watch the, the show We're at, we're not going to go to the theater and watch it right now, but we will be reviewing the, uh, the beats of it before we go to our second uh, part of this podcast. Eric, your experience with this show, go off. Movie, not a show, Andrew. <laughs> you're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna correct me for calling a movie a show. <laughs> 
<laughs> whatever, whatever. Semantics, semantics. Um, I saw it very late in the game. I feel like there had been a massive public opinion about it for a, like a bit of time before I saw it. Um, yes. And it was one of those movies where like pe- so many people just like came to me and was like, Eric, you gotta see it. You gotta see it. And in that regard, I was worried that it was going to be overhyped to me. So many people were like going off about it being like the greatest movie ever. And so I was like, oh, like the last time I had that experience was like Knives Out. Like someone came to me and was like, Eric, this is the greatest movie ever made. And I was like, okay, like I didn't care for that. <laughs> um, Ooh, hot take. Solely because people were like, this is the greatest movie ever made. And I just was like going in at like such high expectations. And so that's what ended up happening with Everything Everywhere. I went in with such high expectations. Wait, Colin, you were saying that you recommend seeing it with like lots of people? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, an experience of like, I think the movie is so much about humans and our just like innate connections to each other that mm. I think it's a really cool experience to see it with a ton of people. Did you see it alone? I saw it alone on my birthday this year because oh. I was like... I was like, I just like going to the movies by myself. And I was like, yeah, yeah. oh my, I just wanted to like go do something on my birthday like that. But I would, because of like, it was like my birthday was like such high emotions, just generally all the time for me. I was like sobbing through that whole movie. It was so, yeah, it was such yes. a magical experience. I cried, yeah. I cried way more than I was expecting to. Yeah. I was not expecting to cry. Like, especially because it's like so specific about a Chinese American experience and like that that family and like stuff that I you know wouldn't expect to really relate to but as you said Colin I think there's something about it that's so human and we we talk about on this podcast how a good movie has mirrors and windows like you want mirrors to see yourself reflected and you want windows to see into other people's life and this movie gave us both like yeah yeah and I think like I think in that way it also like was cool because as a viewer you were getting to see the characters get like the whatever you said the mirrors and whatever it was like of each other like mm. they got to see that of each other's characters in the different multiverses and that's how they kind of grew as themselves that's how they like learned about who they were in their own way through the different versions of each other which i found very cool and eric echoing what you said yes this movie has had like and this this is a good segue into kind of like how was this perceived on a broader scale and oh my god this movie had so much buzz this is this movie has had more buzz than like the since like endgame like it's been just so much buzz everyone was like oh my god you have to see this movie and one of the really cool things is like even though it is like a very strong queer theme in this movie because they don't like make that the entire center i feel like this isn't seen as like a queer movie it's not like oh this is a gay movie right it is just Mm -hmm. a really good movie that everyone likes and it just happens to have like a really strong queer theme in it um or at least not even not a queer theme but like queer identity plays a strong role in the movie Mm -hmm. and so that's really cool it's cool that this movie has so much buzz and is doing so well and then i didn't learn until later that it was a queer movie i was like oh work and I don't see a lot of movies in theaters <laughs> and this is one I saw because this one had so much hype I was like I'm gonna see this one and yeah as I said I cried a bunch and I really enjoyed yeah. it and I think yeah, overall yeah. like reviews across the board are just like phenomenal I have not met a person that didn't like this movie um, except for one person who thought it was too bizarre for them <laughs> which to be fair it is it has bizarre elements <laughs> it is bizarre I think it is bizarre but I think like the whole idea is that like life is bizarre and like the emotions we go through, we don't quite understand all the time. 
Yeah. I think that's what it was trying to elicit. And I, I understand. I know it. I was like, I want to recommend this to my parents, but I think they might be like so confused after the first 15 minutes. The movie moves fast, like kind of right away. Yeah. But I think it's so cool because you're put into their world immediately. Definitely. Cool. Well, I think, unless anyone else has any thoughts, other thoughts I'd like to say, I think we can go ahead and watch the movie. Woohoo! Woo! This concludes part one. Check out the next episode for part two. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we would love if you'd leave us a review or follow us at Rainbow Room Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks.